Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be back here with you again. And uh, there are a couple of intimations I've been asked to make. The first is in connection with a congregational meeting. The Kirk session has called a congregational meeting for the 28th of February at 7.30 p.m. to progress the vacancy in the congregation. Details are in today's church notices. This is an important meeting and a good attendance of members and hearings is encouraged. So hopefully you will be able to attend there and may the Lord lead, guide and provide as he has promised to do. Let us begin the public worship of God here today by singing to his praise a psalm that you will know, I trust, and a psalm that you will enjoy, and a psalm that has three words in it that I play children's talk. It's Psalm 43, verses 3 to 5. Let us pray together. O oh Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, we pray that these last six words we sang would be our profession and our delight, my God that doth me save. We thank you for the glorious personal nature of the salvation we are offered without money and without price 
free for us today. Bring us in a fresh way to be thankful in everything. We confess that we are inadequately prepared for the privilege that we have in this next hour. Our hearts are wandering and do wander to yesterday's business and tomorrow's concerns. But bring us to say, we see no man, save Jesus only. And we come here in a mess. And what a mess our sin has made of us. We have to and wish to know what it is to repent and to cry, God, please wash me. Create within me a clean heart. Oh, you know, and we know a little of what we see of sin in the world around us and in our culture and in others that we would and do say with the psalmist my sin I ever see. Lord, we thank you that it's for sinners Jesus came into the world. It's for sinners. Jesus died. And it's for the likes of us here today that we are called to worship you. We are to some degree aware that we're wasting our time in our own strength. Without you, we can do nothing. Lord, open our hearts to hear your word and to say we see no man save Jesus only, to cease from man whose breath is in his nostrils, to look to Jesus alone. They looked to him and lightened were. We thank you for the, the visit we've had this morning of the sun. How lovely it was and is for us after these days of drizzle and cloud to experience something of the light and the warmth of your created sun. But grant that we would know <clears throat> the light and the warmth and delight in the sight and experience of your uncreated Son, your eternal Son. Bless us with a resting in Jesus. And together we commit our cares about the congregational meeting, the need for a sh shepherd for this flock, the burdens we have about family, community, culture, nation, Gaza, Ukraine, politics, economy, health. Lord, we're so thankful that you tell us what to do. Casting all your care upon him. 
And we do that individually and collectively. Open our hearts this morning to worship you wholeheartedly. Prepare us for your will and prepare us for eternity and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'd like to read with you now a psalm. <clears throat> and I would expect that many of us, if not all of us, have sung and know this psalm, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And may God rivet these words in our minds and bless his truth to us. Children, it's nice to hear your chuckles and your little noises you make. But you're not nearly as noisy as I was when I was your age. But my mother had a way of keeping me quiet sometimes. She would take a bag of raisins. And I was thinking it was sweeties and I'd be getting raisins. Your mum hasn't tried that with you yet, has she? No, no, no. Anyway, we noticed perhaps... Three words in the first psalm we sang. And I want you to remember these three words. They are my chiefest joy. What is your chiefest joy? Well, when I was a little fellow, my chiefest joy on one occasion was to get a tricycle. You know what a tricycle is? A three-wheeler bike. But within no time, I buckled the back wheel of it because I used to cycle down Drummond Circus. Instead of going on three wheels, I'd be showing off going on two wheels and the back wheel got buckled. So then I said, I need a two-wheeler bike. Dad, please get me a two-wheeler bike. Then I'll be happy. So I got a two-wheeler bike. And it was fantastic. But within no time, I wanted another one. So I wanted a bike with gears. And I, I was telling my mum and dad, when I get a bike with years, I'll be really happy. And I was fair chuffed when I got the bike with gears. But sure enough, you know what happened. I didn't like it all that much after a while because my mate down the road had a bike with gears and a light. A light on the bike. I want a light on the bike. And so it went on and on and on until I got a car. And so it went on and on until I got another car. 
So everything that I thought that happy actually didn't work. It was very, very short-lived. Didn't last very long. So what's the psalmist speaking about? My chiefest joy. That's it. My chiefest joy. Yeah. You got it? My chiefest joy? Yeah, you got it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Do you know, children, how to spell the word joy? Jai? O Y, joy. And I would like to help you understand what that word is and what that word means in the light of that psalm. It means Jai, Jesus first. Why yourself? And nothing in between. J-O-Y. That is the chiefest joy. That is the only joy that you will have and have forevermore. And if you don't have that now, God in Christ is offering that to you. And I hope and pray that you and all of us are saying, give me that joy. Joy that will never end. Joy that is the chiefest joy and is better than anything else you can ever have. My chiefest joy. Jesus and you and nothing in between. Let us say and pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Right, children, before you go to Sunday school or whatever, I want you to say three words with me. And you know what they are. My chiefest joy. So please say that. I'm listening. My I could hardly hear you. Wait, let's try again. My What with this lot over here? My chiefest joy. Right? Remember that and look to Jesus. Thank you. We'll now turn again to sing to God's praise in Psalm 98 verses 1 through 4.
ask the Lord would help us. We would like to consider this well-known psalm together. It's one of the psalms of ascent, of which there are five groups of three. The first one usually presents something of the difficulty. The second one is something of what God has in the way of power to preserve and keep. And the third is the security found in Zion's God. When I was nine years old, uh, my, and that's a long time ago, by the way. You would never know, would you? There are some here who knew me when I was nine years old. Anyway, it was a long time ago, and my mother and father decided they would go on holiday to Spain. And we were four boys. And we were actually quite anxious about our mum and dad going away and leaving us at home. And our minister at the time was a Reverend A.F. Mackay, and he knew that, and he was sensitive to it. And just about three or four days before our mum and dad went away, our minister came to the house, and he stood in the front room, and he prayed with us. And that, that evening when he prayed with us, gave me, and I believe my brothers, a great deal of comfort because in his prayer he used this psalm. It's a psalm of help and hope and comfort. We are on a pilgrimage. Time is passing. The last time I was in this building, very recently, it was for a funeral of someone whose wife is here today. We were being reminded and are being reminded that time is like an ever-flowing stream, bears all its sons away. There is a place where we're going to. And you know where that place is. What is happening in our world today? Well, there's Gaza. There's Ukraine. There's Iran and the Houthis. We have books that were supposed to be in America three weeks ago. And they're going round the Cape of Good Hope. They're going to be a month late and more cost. And customers who were expecting them in America are not getting them. There are enormous implications of what's happening in our world. We are on a pilgrimage. Then there's this week. There's Livalny, who professed faith in Christ, whose life was taken in what we would call a concentration camp. Then there's the dilemma, what is going to happen? Is it going to be Biden or Trump? Which is worst? Then there are the empty churches, which our country is full of. A statistic I read yesterday in Evangelicals Now and in the Daily Telegraph, churches have 20% less people in them in Britain than they had the year before COVID. What is happening we are on a pilgrimage. We find ourselves, don't we, in Psalm 13. How long? What's happening, God? 
Psalm 73. Do you really know what's happening here, God? It's so difficult and so bad. My steps were almost gone. This is not a rest. This is a hostile, uncongenial world. Perhaps you're in verse 1 of this psalm. The pilgrim heading towards the the city of Jerusalem, afraid of the marauding robbers who might be lurking at the roadside. I see the mountains, the challenges, the uncertainties in family, church, community, nation, world. I see the uncertainties as I wait for treatment or as I undergo treatment. Where does my help come from? How can I continue? This is the question. Will your anchor hold in the strains, in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, will your anchor hold? And yes, there is. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Do you have that anchor, friend? Do you feel the tug of that anchor as you face today's challenge and life's challenge and life's pilgrimage journey? And as we look at this psalm, we would like to look under it at it under four aspects which are there for you and for me. Firstly, the creator. He's thinking about the the creator. So we'll look at that firstly. The creator. There it is. Who made heaven? And earth, the maker of heaven and earth. It's there in Psalm 124, verse 8, made heaven and earth. It's there in Psalm 134, verse 3. Here's the little quotation I love from Isaiah 40. Verse 12, he measured the waters. That's a big thing. The nations are like That's it. I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. A drop in a bucket. Nothing. America, Putin, Russia, China, Araga, drop in a bucket. Then there's a word there in that same chapter 40 for the flat earth people. He sits above the circle. Yes, he sits above the circle of the earth. Verse 28, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he it is who gives power to the faint. You notice the first two verses, it's, it's subjective. I and my. And then... The rest of the psalm is objective. Thee and thou and he. There's Psalm 8 too. The great hallelujah sandwich. How majestic is your name is where it starts. 
How majestic is your name, the Spirit finishes. When I look at the moon and the stars and the sun which you have set in place. Do you know how many stars there are? Well, in the Milky Way alone, there are 100 billion, not million, 100 million stars. That's what God's fingers made. He put them there. How majestic is your name. I remember as uh, maybe 18, 19 year old, I was at Glasgow University. And we went down for a communion service in Greenock. And at that time I was thinking seriously about the gospel. But I had lots of questions and uh, doubts and anxious thoughts. And the minister, whoever it was, I have no idea. He was preaching his heart out. And I was, as sometimes some of you might have done, oh, you can't do it here, what I was doing, looking through the window. I was looking out the window. And you know, there was a tree. And there was a leaf of that tree rubbing on the window. And that leaf spoke to me. Who made that leaf? We can make a plastic one. We can make an imitation one. The leaf spoke. And creation is speaking to you. The Heidelberg Catechism, I think it's question 27, speaks about God being in control of every blade and every leaf. You saw a crocus, perhaps, this morning. He begins. He maintains, he controls, and directs everything. And then you see here the little side reference, we might say. The little jibe at those who don't trust in God. Verse 3, he doesn't slumber. How God doesn't slumber. It's round the clock. It's morning, noon, and night. Forever. Remember, in the Old Testament there, Elijah with the prophets of Baal, Elijah said, see if you can waken him. Or maybe he's at the toilet. Maybe he's relieving himself. He's not doing what you're asking him to do. Our God is different. No sleep. Our help is in the name, in the great name of the Lord who made heaven and there. He is the creator and creation is speaking to you. Have you heard the moon? It's speaking to you if you see it. And he's also does the new creation work? Let there be light in the beginning and let there be light in the heart so that you might come to say with another in your conversion whereas I was blind now I see so if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation everything old has passed away What's the new creation? What's the evidence of new creation in your heart and mind? You delight in God. You enjoy the company of Lord's people. 
You want to be with them as much as you can in time. Old has passed away. You're not relying on what you can do or what you have done or what you might do in the future. All my confidence is placed on you alone. Creation. The psalmist, the pilgrim, is getting comfort from creation. Secondly, he gets comfort from using his memory, from history. Verse 4. He who keeps Israel, remembering how God has dealt with them, how he has kept Israel, there he says it in Psalm 124. Had not the Lord been on our side when men rose us to slay? 126. When Zion bondage God turned back. The Lord has done great things for us. Psalm 115. The Lord has been mindful of us and he will bless us still. Psalm 105, remembering the wondrous works that he has done. And I challenge you, friend, to think back on what God has done for you. And to be thankful. And to come this morning to say to yourself, as we are taught in Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God, and not forgetful be of all his gracious benefits he has bestowed on thee. Remember, the children of Israel, they crossed the Jordan. What were they to do? In the middle of the Jordan, the, high, the priests were to pick up a stone. Twelve stones. Plant them on the ground when you get over. What are they for, Daddy? Why did you put these stones there? What do they mean to you? And the father would say, they mean to me. That God took me here. That God took me out of Egypt and took me here. The Lord has been mindful of us. Then, remember him. Consider him. Don't know what you were considering last night. Well... Maybe you were wondering, why was there not another Six Nations match on yesterday? Maybe you were wondering how Rangers and Celtic got on. But were you considering him? Were you thinking about him? Who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself? Lest you be weary and faint in your mind. Remember, remember. And here are two quotations that I found helpful this last couple of weeks. This first one is from John Stott. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we need to see the cross as something done by us. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we must come to see the cross as something done 
bias. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I believe I was. Can you say I was there? This do in remembrance of me. Use your memory. Use your own memory as you remember him. Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. don't understand what he's up to. His footsteps are hid, we're told, in the sand. Your footsteps are hid in the sea. We know he's been there. We know he is everywhere. And he knows the way that we take. And he knows the darkness from the light, the end from the beginning. He knows where you are. He knows how sleepy you are at this moment. Or hungry. History. Firstly, creation. Secondly, there's comfort in history too. Thirdly, personal. It's so personal this psalm. Look at it. Verse 3. Your foot. Verse 5. Your keeper. Your right hand. Your this all the time. Your the word you or your is in this psalm ten times. Your foot, your keeper, your shade, your right hand, you by day, you from all evil, your life, your going out, your coming in. I think so often we miss the personal nature of the psalmody. Our grandchildren were in the house about three weeks ago for lunch, and we often or usually sing a psalm when we finish our meal. We sang Psalm 23. And I asked them, how, long does, how often does the personal pronoun appear in Psalm 23? And they counted them, and they got the same answer. It's there 17 times. It's personal. And you have fears in the night. He knows that. He understands that, that. On your right hand, he will be your shade. And the word in used in verse 5 there, on your right hand, apparently is a little Hebrew word. Not that I know any Hebrew. It's A-L, which actually means in attendance. The Lord is in attendance for you and with you. A present help. Whom have I? In the heavens high. But you, O Lord, alone. And on the earth whom I desire, beside you there is none. My 
chiefest joy. To whom else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I remember on one occasion being in Parkside Church in Ohio. Now, the pastor there is somebody, some of you may know, Alistair Begg. And uh, we were in the church. We've been there for a reason to do something, but this time we were just there to, to be there. And we were sitting in the, the middle left-hand side of the church and there's 1,500, 2,000 people there and I didn't think for a minute that Alistair Begg would recognize and he has two services we were at the first in the morning and there's another service immediately afterward so he came out after the first service and he saw us and he came up and there was a major issue about a Scottish pastor whom he and I knew I had published some of this chap's books. Alistair had spoken at conferences with him, and he had, as it were, fallen off the wagon in a bad way. And Alistair came to me and he said, what's happened to such and such? Is it true? And It's terrible, and I'm so sad, and you know, we're all, we're all worried about it and concerned about it. So we spoke about it for five minutes, and we were leaving. And as Alistair was about to leave us, he turned and he said, William, providence is a great pillow. A great pillow. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember Thomas? What was he saying? My Lord. My God. And he had been terrible what he had done and said. My Lord, I've got it. I know, I know who you are. The personal nature of the gospel is glorious. And as I was thinking about that, I went back to one of my old friends, a chap who you might know, called Horatius Boner. And I found this hymn from Horatius Boner. And I'm going to read a little bit of this hymn to you. I see the scourges tear his back. I see the piercing crown and of that crowd who smite and mock I feel that I am one. Around yon cross the throng I see mocking the sufferers groan yet still my voice it seems to be as if I mocked alone. It's personal. Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. We've looked at creation being a comfort. We've looked at history being a help. We've looked at the personal nature of it being wonderful and personal. What's next? It's something you're thinking about. How do you know what I'm thinking about? Be 
because the Bible makes it clear. I know what you're thinking about. I know what's deep in your heart because the Bible tells me so. Eternity is written on your heart. What about the future? Well, he deals with that too. From this time forth and forevermore. Look at verse 6. Shall. The future. Look at verse 7. Will. The future. Will. The future. Verse 8. And from this time forth and forevermore. He'll grace and glory give. All things work together for good. It's not all things that you understand or that you can explain. It's all things, full stop. Work together for good. Romans 8, 28. There you go, Genesis 50. There was Joseph and his brothers. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hands as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. We change. You see it in the mirror. I see it in the mirror. I see it in the way my belt fits my tummy. I see it in the length of my stride, in being overtaken, coming up Crown Drive, walking. We're changing. Some of you have grey hair. Some of you have hardly any hair. We're changing. From all changes, he is free. As round about Jerusalem, the mountains stand alway. The Lord his folk doth compass so from henceforth and for a. They shall never perish, nor none shall perish. Be able, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. They shall be brought with gladness great and mirth on every side into the palace of the king, and there they shall abide. Jesus' prayer will be answered. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me. Be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Have you tasted that? Well, there's a cup here for you. There's a cup of blessing in Psalm 121 for you. As you trample on the grass as you see the bud on the tree as you see the stars in the heavens as you think about the history of the world and the history of your family and the history that brought you to this place at this time you're not here by chance you think of creation you think of history. Then you think of it's for you. It's for you. Take it, lassie. 
It's for sinners, said Rabbi Duncan. Take it, lad. It's for sinners. It's for you. And as you think about the future, it's all fine. It's all great. From henceforth and forevermore. 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 Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the world around us. We thank you for the, the beauty of the psalms we sing. We thank you that we are encouraged to enjoy our chiefest joy. My chiefest joy. We thank you for the blessed future, whatever the future holds. Lord, we ask your blessing on each other, on those we'll meet and greet as we leave the building. Grant us that grace to confer with one another about what we've heard, to make mention that your name is exalted, and grant us a burden for the community around us and the people we meet. We pray for a new pastor for this people. Unite them in your purpose and for your glory. Grant us the joy of your salvation that we would say as we're about to sing, my help comes from the Lord. And pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. And we'll conclude by singing Psalm 121 from the Scottish Psalter. I to the hills will lift mine eyes.
well. And Lord, again, we're thrilled and excited and thankful for these words. God, keep forever will. And in response to that promise, we cry for each other and with each other, keep me kept. Bless, pity us, and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen.